Hello, welcome back, and thank you for tuning in once again to the Mitch and Dreeks podcast, where we have all your weekly Raptors and NBA news. Once again, I am joined by my co-host, Dreeks. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm ready to fire it up. I mean, it's been a week since we've done our last podcast, so I'm ready to talk about the Raptors. I mean, it was an exciting week, but I have some exciting news for all the Mitch and Dreeks followers. We have a special guest from South of the Six, very own Adam Corsair. How you doing, buddy? Well, man, it's great to be here. How you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing good. We're, ex- we're excited to have you on the show, though. I think that's the most exciting part of the week, knowing that you were coming on the show. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And we've been following you for about a year. Uh, obviously, it's been exciting. You have uh, all the up-to-date Raptors content. So this guy, having this guy on the show is a pleasure. He's a huge guest of ours. So, And he's the first guest. That's, that's massive. The inaugural guest. I love it. Thank you. I, I was going to say that, but I thought I mispronounced it, so I, I'm glad you <laughs> took over on that one. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I thought I was going to mispronounce it, too. But, oh, you know, man. You just, no, just got to go for it. You just got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you killed it. I love it. So we're going to talk about everything. Uh, we're going to give you all the topics that we're going to talk about today. Mitch, you want to lead the way, big dog? Yeah, so as everyone knows, the Raptors went 3-0 and last week. Nice call, Rod, from the last podcast, predicting a perfect week. You know, So we got the latest highlights from Atlanta all the way to the Knicks. Uh, some very nervy times. After that, we'll head on to Patrick McCall. Yeah, so Patrick McCall's injury, we're going to talk about that. Uh, I think a lot of Raptors fans maybe are kind of excited that it happened or, or not excited. I'm not sure. Um, there's been a lot of debate on whether he should be getting some minutes, so we'll talk about that. We'll give like we'll give our thoughts on the current nine more, nine man rotation uh, that's going to be happening. And then what's next, Mitch? After, after that, we're moving to another hot button issue, which is rebounding. You know, two to three games this week, Raptors got out rebounded. Seems to be. Yeah, a common occurrence in games. So we're going to check out what's going on with the Raptors' defensive set and their inability to rebound at times. Yeah, and I was taking a look at the stats there and our lean rebounder. Uh, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't, I won't <laughs> get into it right it. now. But, <laughs> but uh, one of the guys that's not leading the team in rebounding is OG Ananobi. But his play this year has been phenomenal. Um, does he have a future with the Raptors? We'll talk about that, or do we expect him to? move on or whatnot we'll, we'll talk about that uh, and the next topic is a hot topic as well mitch next we're going to highlight once again that the raptors have the second best record in the eastern conference tied with miami who do currently hold a tiebreaker so we're going to be going over what we think the raptors need to do at this position in the season you know holding on to that trying to hold on to that second seed so this is a new segment was thrown in this is the best part of the show so what's going to happen is we're going to predict the Raptors record for next week. Mitch and I are going to do that. We'll throw in Adam as well. But if one of us loses and has an incorrect record for the Raptors, we got to do something embarrassing. And we're going to put it on video. And we're going to put it on the Mitch and Dreeks podcast Instagram webpage. We're going to throw it on the Twitter. We'll even throw it on Facebook if we can. And whoever loses has to do some super embarrassing. I can't wait for Mitch to do some super embarrassing because it's Mitch. But uh, yeah, just for this week. <laughs> That'll but, go well uh, for the PhD application, era. Eh, yeah. So Adam's like, "Why did I come on the show?" My God. <laughs> News to me. Uh, <laughs> News to me too. News to me too. <laughs> yeah, I told you about this, Mitch. Don't, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. 
All right. So we're going to move on. Uh, we're gonna. Those are our topics. We're going to give you the time frame for each topic. So, I mean, if you don't want to listen to us for the entire podcast, which I don't blame you, um, we'll give you the time stamps for each topic and from now on. But uh, first, we'll lead the way with... Um, yeah, with the first topic, Mitch, you want to take that? Yeah, sure. So the first topic we're looking at, remember, we're going to do some highlights of this week's games. Sorry, I'm just going to redo the intro one second. I kind of got laggy at the end. <coughs> Sorry. Okay. So our first topic is, of course, going over this last week's slate of games. We'll be beginning with the Hawks, where we went to Atlanta for a midday game, 122-117 win. Followed that up with a 107-95 win over the 76ers at home, and then went to New York. Uh, for a 118-112, what ended up being a nail-biter win over the Knicks. Um, again, two of these wins were on the road, so that's good news for the road record. And, of course, the 76ers were beat at home. And 76ers haven't beaten Raptors at, in Toronto since Game 2 of last year's playoffs. So, again, home court advantage going forward is pivotal. 100%. And we're going to get Adam's take. What What do you think about the Raptors this week? Did you like what you saw, or is there some things you didn't like? Let's, uh, let's hear about it, man. Well, it wasn't a bad week, obviously. Like, you, you get three dubs. That's always good to start the week mm-hmm. off. But that Atlanta game was sort of a clusterfuck for me because, you know, we, we talked about <laughs> it off air. You, when you start a game at 2.30, the Raptors haven't been faring well when it comes to midday games. They just haven't. They haven't been doing well. Um, and I don't know if it's the, the travel is influencing that and, you know, the amount of practice time that they have or whatnot, shoot arounds. But they they just seem to have a hard time getting up for these midday games. And when you're playing a team like Atlanta and you're basically fully healthy, if not entirely fully healthy, um, you should be able to put that away easily. And I know Trey went, went off. He had an outstanding game, like 40 plus points or whatever, but. You know, Atlanta's a team that you should just beat, even if it's on the road. Um, but they followed it up with a with a really sweet victory against Philly. Um, Norman Powell and Fred VanVleet and, you know, even Marcus Gasol that game sort of mm-hmm. were pivotal to that success. And as you guys mentioned, the Knicks game, that was a nail-biter. That was another frustrating game, especially in the first half. That was a very frustrating game. But you'll take the W, a win's a win, and uh, you don't necessarily... Uh, you know, stress about those things if your team is winning. So being tied for the two seed, can't really ask for much more. Yeah, at this point, yeah, it was, I think you said it best. I mean, yeah, you take three W's, of course. Um, I think there were there were kind of some ugly W's, like you said, like versus Atlanta and York. I mean, the W versus uh, Philly was nice because um, we didn't start off that great. We came back, we, we, uh, we put up some force on them as well. But the one thing I noticed during the week, uh, which kind of frustrated me, was was their their defense was a little lackluster, and they, their D was sucking into they were sucking in too much. They were like guys are penetrating um, that shouldn't be penetrating on our defense, and then it was just it was, it just it was just awful. I mean, from my from my standpoint, um, especially during like the uh, the Atlanta game, that kind of frustrated me. Like guys were just getting blown by. And then guys were coming to help, but then there wasn't another help defender to come back uh, when Trey Young was giving the ball to Collins or to Hunter. So I think that was frustrating in my sense. But I mean, the next game, I just thought the Knicks just kind of, they were just trying to ball out. They're just trying to play free because what else can they do? They're in the Knicks. They suck. Um, and that's dangerous sometimes because if you have a team like that that doesn't 
he just know that, that they're not going to go anywhere in the season. Sometimes you just get hot because you just start playing free. And that doesn't always work. And, and I think that's what Atlanta did as well. Um, I think we played down to the Knicks and Atlanta's level. Uh, and we played to Philly's level and exceeded it. So I think moving forward, if the Raptors can just play at the constant level of, you know, in, like an all-star calibrated team, I think they'll be fine. I just... I think they did a, a great job of that last year of not playing down to other uh, teams' levels like the Knicks or in Atlanta and stuff like that. So that's my take on the week. We got the W's, which is nice. I mean, Mitch, what do you think? No, kind of just going off that defense, defensive note, I mean, you saw a lot of switching back to zone that the Raptors did this past week. And every in all three games, and large part of that was to help, you know, from Nick Nurse's perspective, to help out with the rebounding. But it just seemed... You know, when OG was guarding Simmons at the beginning of the Philadelphia game, I don't know if anyone else picked up on it, but, you know, he would run Simmons where Simmons was supposed to go. And then, like you were saying, Rod, just he could have an easy dish to an open guy for an open three. And it seemed like at the beginning of that game, it just seemed like Philly was going to shoot the lights out because they're just getting constant open looks, constant open looks. And I think slow starts was kind of the, the theme of this week's uh, slate of games. You had, you know, even in that Knicks game, Bench was, I think, a positive 38 cumulatively, and the starters were, you know, minus eight combined, which kind of really tells the story about how close that game actually was and, you know, how long it took these guys to actually get going. Um, so that was kind of what I was taking away as well as the defense, just the rotation wasn't there. So they ended up going back to the zone and then trying to switch it back up and <clears> trying to give people different looks with different, different defenders on the ball handlers. And it just didn't seem to go their way until we hit the second half. Yeah, like, I'm just wondering, like, why the fuck are you running out on Al Horford? I mean, what has he done from three this year? I mean, I'm not looking at his stats, but I can tell you right now it's not very good. Um, and then leaving a guy like Corkmus open. And he's a, he's a pretty good shooter. I say Corkmus is a pretty good shooter. but And we did it actually a great job of running him off the line for the most part. And he was just taking these stupid floaters that were going in. Buddy, you're never going to hit those again in your life. Don't even dream about it. Uh, that, that's how I feel. I think we did a good job on that, but it, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I just think we, in the first half, again, uh, we, I didn't think we played that well, but in the second half, we kind of put the pressure on them, especially in the Philly game. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, I think we could be a lot better, but I think we're, we're good at where, we're, at where we are. We're 31 and 14 at this point. That's pretty darn good. Hey, Ray, fellas? Very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All uh, right. Perfect. So I think we recapped this week pretty well here. Uh, we got all our frustrations out. And, uh, <laughs> and I just want to ask you what, just one more yeah. thing. What about the yeah. bench? Like, what's your take on the bench um, for like the, especially the Atlanta game? Um, I remember I was watching the Portland game, and not to jump ahead too much, but the Portland game, you had the bench kind of lead the second half, similar to the Atlanta game. And do you think? Do you think Nick Nurse sometimes leaves him out a little bit too long? I mean, it's just maybe one take that I have, especially from the Atlanta game. I have not touched on that. You can touch on that, Adam. <laughs> um, certain individuals, I feel like he leaves out too long. Um, Main names. Like, I'm down. Like, I'm totally down to do it. Um, I don't want to, you know, harp on, a, on an injured man here, but uh, – <laughs> He does tend to leave people in a little bit too much. Like, I like the presence of certain uh, bench members. So, like, obviously, Norman Powell right now is scorching hot. So, like, don't mess with any of that. Serge Ibaka is not – technically, he is coming off the bench, but I wouldn't necessarily categorize him as a bench player. Um, 
but RHJ, like, as long as he's not shooting, do whatever <laughs> you got to do. Like, it, first of all, it's the ugliest jump shot I've ever seen in my life. Like, it is just. You haven't awful. seen mine. It's a, <laughs> what about Foles post-injury? What about Foles post-injury? Worse than that? Yeah. The, the form on this shot is just, anytime I see him at the free throw line, I'm like, how do you get these in? Because they just look so bad. But, you know, Terrence Davis, he's he's coming into his own. I, I still can't believe this dude went undrafted. But when you're when you're in close game situations, right, especially against teams like Atlanta that you should just be putting away, and your bench isn't really, you know, cutting it, you need to, to sort of mix it up. And I do credit Nick Nurse for... Yeah, it's a little late. Like last year, I had an issue with him calling timeouts a little bit too late, and he he figured it out. It you know almost too late, but he did figure it out. Um, I'm hoping that now with the presence of these guys that's going off, like Fred VanVleet, or in certain situations, Marcus All, and hopefully knock on desk here, Pascal Siakam is able to build on the performance against New York. Like he'll be able to trust them a little bit more. And, you know, these are vets. These are guys that have done it time in and time out. And I have no doubt that hopefully this uh, this obsession with Patrick McCaw will start to subside a little bit. I'm hoping. And, and to your point, he played the entire fourth quarter in that Atlanta game. He was never, I think he was taken off in the last 30 seconds when they needed another ball handler, handler in Kyle Lowry. And he started, came on, three minutes left in the third, played the entire fourth. <laughs> so, yeah. Listen, listen, everybody that defends Patrick McCaw will not hesitate to tell you that in the Atlanta game, he was a plus seven. Okay? That, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty seven. misleading. That's pretty misleading. Yes. yes. It is the reason why plus minus is like, yes, it's a cool stat, but it's sort of a bullshit stat. Like, it really is. And, like, you have to look at the remainder of what he does. Just watch the game, and there has never been a time, ever, ever, not once this season, that I'm like, Oh man, if Patrick McCall was playing right now, we'd be so good. <laughs> never, never. There has not been one time when I've Very been begging true. Nick Nurse to sub in Patrick McCall. And moreover, there has not been a time that I'm thinking, oh, if we trade away Patrick McCall, we're in trouble. No one thinks that. No one, not one. No, he's he's definitely not that. He's not that valuable. The only reason I'm not I'm not high on him on, on like there's there's no reason to be high on on Patrick McCall. Like he is he's. He's okay. I don't mind him with the second unit because um, for me, he's just unselfish and he won't take a shot. He'll rather find somebody else. And they, they kind of there's 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 times where the second unit they play well with him because uh, that ball just kind of goes. And you know when Terrence Davis is hot, he finds him or he makes a nice little pass into the surge. Uh, but if you think about it, he's not that valuable because a guy like Van Fleet and Lowry can come in and give you this exact same performance but they're better shooters and overall better players way better they're they're valued way higher um i guess the only thing that you'd be missing from mccall due to this injury is his ability to eat up some minutes um for lowry and the guy for a guy who's aging um at this point uh the aging beautifully if you ask me but uh for me i think he just he just takes over those minutes uh, that you know Lowry could be sitting, and I think Nick, Nick Nurse said in the Atlanta game because Lowry didn't come back in, he didn't have the chance to put Lowry back in because he's been sitting for so long. Because uh, ideally you would have wanted him back into the game, but that's why you saw Van Fleet come back in. Uh, but I I I was thinking like why the hell is McCaw still in? <laughs> like the one guy that shouldn't be in is in. But I mean we won the ball game, 
I, it, was, it was still an ugly week, but like going forward with his broken nose, uh, Raptors fans are going to probably rejoice. They won't have a parade like they did for the championship. But uh, I think for, for us, it's just going to mean more minutes for Lowry and more minutes for Van Fleet, unless we can have big games and not have to rely on having Lowry and Van Fleet out there. And we can have like a steady lead in the in the fourth. That'd be nice to have him sit down for a little bit and give a guy like uh, you know Miller some minutes or something like that. And Terrence and Terrence Davis can handle the ball. So that that's my take on it. I mean, with the rotation, I think we have some slate. We have a slate of games where we can get away with possibly not having to play Van Fleet or or Lowry in the fourth. So I mean, that gives them rest. But when it comes down to like big stretch games and big time games where we play teams over 500 you'll see van fleet and lowry taking those minutes in my my opinion it makes me wonder why doesn't this apply to terrence davis like what is it about that you know terrence davis that we have seen because everything i've seen minus a handful of games from terrence davis has been very good and why can't these minutes be spelled with terrence davis instead of patrick that's why i'm I don't know. That's why I'm a little bit frustrated with this because Patrick McCaw is given these opportunities more than Terrence Davis, and I I just don't see a good enough reason why. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Mitch. We we talked about this last week, and um, at the beginning of the year, especially with the team being of a different chemistry, different build, um, Nick Nurse really highlighted, especially with. Uh, Stanley Johnson, why he wasn't touching the floor is because he didn't understand the defensive schemes. He still doesn't uh, understand it. <laughs> yeah. And I would yeah. say the one thing about Terrence Davis is because he's still young, because he's a rookie, um, you know, jumping up that level, it seems like late in games, he's very quick to get leggy. And I think maybe that's why at this moment in time, McCaw kind of gets the nod ahead because although sometimes he does get blown by, I mean, there's sometimes where Terrence Davis is just you know, out to lunch on some big shots at some critical moments. Uh, but I think, you know, to your point, I think that will change as soon as, you know, Davis starts to really integrate himself and understand the defense. I think McCall will slowly, slowly drop away. And then hopefully we all get our wish and Terrence Davis gets that floor time. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think this is an opportunity for Davis. This is this is Davis's opportunity. He, if he wants in on this rotation and he wants Pastor McCall out, He's been playing well. Don't get don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. He's been playing well. I think this is his time to shine on defense and prove to Nick Nurse that Nick Nurse isn't looking at it where he's thinking he's thinking uh, his his uh, midseason um, rotation. He's not thinking about that. He's thinking, can I trust this guy in the playoffs? Can he prove to me that he can stay on the court defensively and well offensively and just take the shots that he's needed in the playoffs because. If he wants in on this playoff rotation, this is his time. I mean, he's proven offensively that he can get hot, and he's he's a heat check at points. Uh, but I think this is his time where he's going to start playing with uh, that second unit and a guy like Van Fleet and uh, basically basically a playoff rotation with RHJ and uh, Ibaka as well. I think this, this is his time to shine, and I think he will. I think he's going to prosper from this, from this McCaw injury and given the time to prove that this is a time where I can incorporate myself into a playoff rotation. That's what this is his audition right now, in my opinion. I mean, I, I just don't see a, a situation in which really either of them would get 
playoff minutes. I, I think that if, if he shrinks the roster to like eight or nine come playoffs, I'm not sure how much of a substantial run that they're going to get. But to your point, I do see situations where like maybe this is an audition for him. Maybe you know he's hesitant or reluctant to put him in close game situations because of the youth, because of the inexperience factor. And like, say what you want. I know, like, tongue in cheek. Hey, Patrick McCall's a three-time champion. Sure, like that's that's fun. But he's not. <laughs> he's like, he's oh. nowhere near of the 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 level of importance to actually win those championships. But um, and that's again not to take anything away from anything when it comes to him. It's just I I just haven't seen it right. And you know, I mentioned this on on my show a couple weeks back. Like, I don't. It, none of this really would be bothering me that much. It would just be annoying. But if Nick Nurse never said about Terrence Davis that he played five minutes too long in a game that he played eight minutes and, you know, emphasize how terrible he played in that game. And yet he's leaving Patrick McCaw out there in the entire fourth quarter in the Atlanta game, you know, almost single handedly losing that game for the Raptors. I don't understand how you can reconcile that. I don't understand how you can have those two things be true. Right. And especially the next day after Nick Nurse made those comments about Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis got the nod to start, and he played phenomenally. And he is yet to yep. be rewarded for that, right? And Patrick McCaw still gets these opportunities despite playing terribly. Like, to me, that's – I don't know. It's it's contradictory. I don't like it. And, again, if, if those comments were never made, I don't know that I'd be this pissed off about it. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it might be a thing where Davis – kind of prospers on adversity you know it's not like a comment like that and maybe i don't know mccall i I actually don't know davis either either that'd be cool to meet him (laughs) but uh be friends hey mccall you know davis you guys want to be friends uh but uh no i just think that's where we rip you yeah we rip you apart (laughs) oh my god but uh yeah no i just think that at the end of the day, maybe a guy like Davis can ha- handle that criticism and a guy like McCaw possibly can. Maybe that's why he maybe Nurse didn't say anything about – hasn't said anything about McCaw because that could hurt his confidence, which is probably pretty low if he's listening to all these podcasts. But um, I just think um, at the end of the day, Davis is a much better ball player. And like I said, he's going to have his time to shine. I mean, I do agree with you about the uh, – to Nick Nurse comments and how he could leave McCall on the floor, especially during that that, that stretch in the game where we were just blowing it, because um, he he really didn't have a huge impact on building the lead. It was all Powell, um, and and a, a lot of the, the bench guys were playing well as well, playing well. So it just it's touchy. But one thing that we haven't been doing well, and it's been an issue for years, is rebounding. Like rebounding has been awful this year like absolutely awful what's your guys's take what do you guys see is it we're just lacking size or just effort let, let, let me just say quickly rebounding has been so bad this year that rod and i i've been sorry i've been trying to unconvince rod of trading for andre drummond <laughs> that's how bad rebounds have been this year you want to trade for andre drummond ah, rod, see, rod. <laughs> why'd you gotta bring this up first you bring up lorenzo brown and you gotta bring this up <laughs> <laughs> Wait, look, on, I gotta get my, I gotta get, I gotta get my shots in. Oh my God, Mitch, I'm ready to kick you off as a co-host. Adam, you do anything, buddy? You want a second? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, just oh man, I, I'm thinking our rebounding issues. I, I, I don't know, man. I'm gonna let you take this, Adam, because 
you, you're the guest, and I think you have a good insight on this. Well, th- I think that's why people are so attracted to Andre Drummond on this team is simply because of the rebounding. And they sort of ignore all the other things that he wouldn't offer this team, right? And when you when you remove uh, a guy like, you know, Marcus All or Serge Ibaka, which is probably what it's going to take to get an Andre Drummond, right? And because you know that Andre Drummond may screw over the, the Pistons and opt into his contract, and they just don't want that. But um, you know, I I just don't see it. I I get rebounding is a priority. I get that's a huge weakness for this team. It has been. As you said, like it's it's been an issue for quite a while, but at the same time, I'm not sure that it's so. In the back of my mind, I had this working theory that you know the influence of Kawhi Leonard on this team was you know a, a lot more than just what you can tangibly see, and I think that he the influence was hey don't overexert yourself in the regular season like you guys are good enough to to really you know put your foot on the gas in the postseason and. You know, obviously this is counterintuitive because Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet are getting upwards to almost 40 minutes a game. But when it comes to, you know, all pushing all your chips in and playing at like 110% of every single play, I'm not saying they're not trying, but I am saying that perhaps they're sort of, you know, resting a little bit or like keeping some of the things close to the vest and not really exerting themselves to the point where they can't make a postseason run, right? Like, because Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka, they're... They're not well. Marcus Silva is kind of old, but you know, but <laughs> yeah. these are these are players that are definitely going to be of value for you in the postseason. Like we saw what Marcus All could do for this team in the postseason, especially defensively. So when it comes to the rebounding, it is annoying, but I'm not sure it's like a huge detriment that will keep them out of games moving forward. No, yeah. and yeah, you so, go ahead, Mitch. You I was going to just add on to that quickly, and we'll jump back to Rod. I was going to say. Watching the games, I think you're right. The, the things that you can't kind of calculate or quantify, you do see a lot of rebounds that in the playoffs you would see a more contested jump forward. These ones you kind of see fading away, and especially Marcus and Ibaka, who are getting up there. Um, but I mean, to your point about Marcus you know, this is someone who did hold Embiid to zero points. So you, you could be right. Maybe they are just saving it for, for those key moments. Yeah, like, I mean, Obviously, uh, Marcus Sol has been proven to be Embiid's um, kryptonite, of course. But it's just I I do think um, rebounding at certain points <clears throat> is an issue. Uh, but if you take a look at it this year compared to last year, because I'm taking a look at the numbers on the rebounding and rebounding um, rebounds per game, Serge Ibaka has been steady at 8.1 uh, rebounds per game. Same stat he had last year. Uh, same numbers he had last year compared to this year, 8.1 rebounds per game. But if you look at it, yo, usually teams have a guy that is averaging 10 rebounds a game, at least double digits at least. But rebounding was an issue last year, and look what we look what we did. We won a championship. It's not about it's eight, these 82 games are just practice. We're just like like Kawhi Leonard said, they're just practice. You're just you know, you're, you're out there, you're you're figuring out what you need to do, tinker a few things and get into the playoffs, and that's really where it really matters. And I think rebounding during the season is not that big of an issue. You just need to be able to do it when the time is right, and that is the playoffs. And I feel like when we we made, we had huge rebounds, we had huge plays in the playoffs, and that's why we won. I mean, some luck was involved, of course, because you need some luck to win a championship, to win anything, right? But 
I just don't like if you take a look at the rebounding stats compared to this year to last year, they're they're basically the same. You're, you're replacing Pascal, uh, sorry, we're replacing Kawhi Leonard's rebound per game with Pascal's. They're 0.3 better for Pascal. So I mean, and Marcus All is averaging 6.5 this year, which I don't know how the hell he's averaging 6.5. I've never seen him get six rebounds in a game, but uh, <laughs> from my standpoint, maybe I'm just missing things. But uh, he was on point with last year. He had 6.6. So Kyle's always been at 4.8. So and Eric Moreland had 4.3 in his four games that he played. But um, so just I I just think rebounding you can look past that a little bit, and we don't need a guy like Drummond. Um, and I guess I must have been high when I was talking to Mitch about trading for Andre Drummond. Uh, I saw that as more of a future thing, possibly with like teaming up with like Giannis and. Pascal and just having him do nothing but rebound, which is obviously not the case. But um, I don't think we have to make any moves for, re- for rebounding. That's just my opinion on it. I mean, do you guys have anything else to add on that? Or it, when it comes to Drummond, like yes, he's having a good year, especially rebounding. Um, you know, f- pretty much 16 rebounds a game and 17 points per game. Like that's that looks cool on a stat line, but you're sacrificing a lot to get him right in. For me, the evidence just isn't there that he's ever contributed anything to an actual winner, right? He's always played for Detroit, and Detroit has always flirted with this, like, you know, are they in, are they out, you know, kind of scenarios. He's never been impactful and ever played any meaningful games. And I'd much rather have the experience and the chemistry that Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka has been given to this team and all the other things that they can do besides rebounding. Like, you're sacrificing a lot of three-point shooting now if you get rid of one of them to put in Andre Drummond. Like, now you're not stretching the floor nearly as much. So for me, like, yes, to your point, rebounding, they're still, like, right where they were last year. So I just think it's glaring because now we're really nitpicking into this team and really because, you know, the standard has been raised. It's a championship-caliber team, so 100%. we should be looking to nitpick. So, yes, it's it's annoying, but as, you know, I, I think we've all agreed on here, is I don't think it's going to be an like a huge detriment to them and their playoff aspirations. No, definitely not. Um, Mitch, do you have anything to add? No, I think that's right. I think that's also why you started to hear kind of flirty rumors with someone like Tristan Thompson as well from Cleveland, um, which I, I, I think would be another bad, bad move. Um, just because this, there's this idea that they're going to win and lose off rebounding. But like we've kind of been talking about last year, it was the same narrative. They can't rebound. How are they going to? How they can get past Philly? How they can get past the Greek Freak? You know, if they can't rebound, if they can't protect the board. And you know, Nick Nurse figured it out. Like he, he can figure it out, especially with his defensive schemes. Out of the, you know, I think I'm really high on the, his ability to kind of change. And that's the whole reason they went to zone this week was they were losing a lot of rebounds. They felt it was they could solidify themselves a little bit better, even if they're losing second chance opportunities when they're in a zone. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, like, sorry, I was just trying to bring up uh, a point on uh, Ben Simmons, who I classify as a Kardashian, and Tristan Thompson, which I also classify as a, um, a as a Kardashian as well. Joke landed. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, I just, I, I don't think we have an issue. I, I think it, it just kind of, it comes down to timely rebounds, and those timely rebounds will be. Uh, You'll, you'll, I think you'll see those in the playoffs when it really matters because you have guys that have been there. We did it last year. You know what I mean? We're, yeah, we're missing Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. 
But how many big rebounds did uh, Danny Green have during the regular season? You can't count them, right? Because it doesn't really matter. It just came down to playoffs, right? So um, one guy that he's averaging at this point, I believe, 5.5 rebounds per game. And he's had a, I think he's had a pretty decent year, uh, is OG Ananobi. What do you guys think of him this year? Um, has he proven to you that, you know, his ability is worth, you know, getting a lot of playoff minutes? Or, or do you think they're, He's going to have less playoff minutes? Or what would you say about OG's play this year? Am I going to be the bad guy? Like, yeah. <laughs> no, you, you, hey, you, you could be the villain. You could be whoever you want, Adam. This is your show now. Um, I'm not there yet when it comes to OG and OB. Um, And that's not to say that he doesn't have potential. That's not to say that like he hasn't had you know little spurts where he's been phenomenal. It's just that on a consistent basis, I just haven't seen it, right? And I know everyone likes to latch onto the defense because defensively he's very good. Like he he's very good at sticking with his man, and he is a defensive presence. But on offense, especially lately, he's sort of been a liability. And you know, I, I yes, he made a, a clutch corner three against New York, and it, yes, I, I a great steal as well. Great. But on a consistent basis, it just I'm not seeing it. I don't know what warrants a starting job for him. And I think he any time that he's challenged and any time that Nick Nurse, you know, slates him off. And like there was this one game this year, I forget who they played. Maybe it was Cleveland that uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson started instead of OG Ananobi. And OG Ananobi came off the bench and he went off. And again, this may be some sort of a determination factor. But at that point, if it's not broke, I'm not saying start RHJ. Like, in fact, you could go a little smaller and you can start Norman Powell if you really want to. Um, you know, if, if it's a determination factor and he wants to prove it and he's, you know, performing better off the bench, then why mess with it? Like, I know Nick Nurse wants to be fluid with his lineups and he, and he likes that fluidity. He likes those, you know, throwing stuff to the wall and see if it sticks. I get it. But... OG and Obi, I just, I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen it off as a starter for him, and it, it's very frustrating because he's one of the players walking into the season that I was expecting a a pretty substantial leap from. So for me, I just, it's he's just been w- definitely one of the most frustrating players, minus Patrick McCall, of course. But when it comes to yeah. uh, those in the starting lineup, he has for sure been frustrating. Yeah, and yeah. I think Go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, going on. Yeah, I think going on to that. Um, I don't think it's being the bad guy. I think it's just being realistic. Like one of the questions I had coming into this podcast specifically was, you know, he has a high trade value. And if you want to do something at the deadline, is he the one you move with, you know, picks that, you know, still left over? Um, I'm right there with you. I've been loving OG at times this season. And then also just in a, a love hate relationship with it all year. I mean, he's, he's up the minutes. There's times where he seems to be getting the ball a lot more, especially on the corner threes. Um, Nick Nurse has made you know his intentions clear that he's trying to get him the ball more to shoot, and you know some days it happens, some days it doesn't. And you know another question then is maybe is like is Toronto the place for him to see the real OG or is this kind of what he is? Mm. You can go ahead on that, Rod. Uh, I just want to touch on some. I was looking at stats um, for him versus plus 500 teams and uh, below 500 teams. And I don't have the exact stat line, but I was taking a look at it in pretty general. For teams that are below 500, he has pretty phenomenal games. You, you see that you see that he's more aggressive, 
and he's knocking down more shots. I'm not sure if it's a confidence thing. But then when it comes to teams uh, that are above 500, you see him struggle because usually they have like a wing um, or a forward that can, you know, you know, has has some size on him that maybe matches his physicality. But um, I I don't know for him this year. I had a lot of expectations, and he's been I think he's been all right this year. I don't think he's taken that step. Um, and I said it last week uh, on the show as well. The year before, uh, that hurt him with all the injuries and all the mis- uh, misfortunes with his family and whatnot to help his development. Um, is, is Toronto the place for him to develop? I it, I don't know. Because if you take a look at it, if you're thinking future-wise, like if you want to bring in a guy like uh, Giannis and whatnot, I mean, that I think that's going to hurt his development as well. I mean, but that's still a couple years down the line. But yeah, and I do think he has a high trade value. It's not, um, it's not extremely high, but it's high enough where you know a team um, that wants to develop a three could develop him. But again, Toronto has one of the best development um, teams. They're one of the best development teams in the NBA, and it's been proven with Pascal. Uh, first-time All-Star starter, huge, and first D-League slash G-League uh, to become a starter in the All-Star game, which is massive. Just want a little shout-out to him. But And guys like Van Fleet and guys like uh, even DeLon Wright, who's who's flourished, and I think he's flourishing in, uh, in Dallas, and that's a good spot for him. Um, or even Memphis was a good spot for him. So I'm getting off topic here, but I just think maybe uh, OG might have to go somewhere else to see his full development into play. But I don't know. This year, I think I don't think they're going to trade from. They're going to trade them this year. Um, I think that they're going to give him an opportunity to prove that he can be consistent. Because that's all we ask. Just be consistent. Like average, ten to twelve points a game. Hit forty percent of your threes, which he was doing at the beginning of the year. But he's dwindled down now. So, uh, but his defense is always going to be there, though, right? So. But at times I see him sucking in onto the defense and leaving his man open for three, um, which which is kind of frustrating because like you're leaving a guy like uh, Hoarder uh, out for open for three and he's he's a pretty good shooter. He's proven to be a pretty good shooter. So I don't know. That's my, that's my take. I I I think I agree with you guys on this on, on being frustrated a little bit. The thing it's about the next, sorry, go. Okay, good, good. I was gonna say the next thing is like he is out of contract after not this summer but next summer. And he's probably looking for something like not not money wise, Pascal Siakam, but length wise. I guess to kind of add that to the that to the fire. Do you you know do you extend him in the summer or do you wait? You and wait. let him play the last contract. I would wait, a hundred percent. I would wait. And like, I think what makes him attractive as a trade chip right now, uh, to your point, Rod. I think w- what it is is that the upside is is still there. He's only twenty two, right? And there's no there's no doubt in my mind that I think he's going to flourish. I think he's going to be impactful. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a superstar, but I do think he's going to be valuable for whatever team uh, has him in that sweet spot of like 24, 25, 26. Um, but right now that contract's just kind of not movable, right? And I, I don't know. Obviously, you're going to have to couple it with picks, but I don't know if you're going to get anything substantial in return when it comes to just OG and Obi. You're going to have to like couple them with something. But for me, like, to your point about the contract, Mitch, I think that I would just wait it out because I haven't seen anything at all that warrants an extension. 
like nothing. And I, it obviously, if they do extend him, it's sort of out of fear that he's gonna, you know, not be with this team, or maybe it's more of a of a comfort of knowing that you still have some sort of familiarity and chemistry with this team moving forward. Um, because right now, when it comes to who's definitely, no doubt about it, going to be on this team next year, we're really looking at like Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, and Kyle Lowry. Everyone else like that's impactful, and obviously Pascal Siakam, but everybody else that's impactful, like uh, Gasol, Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, we don't know if they're going to be on this team next year, right? So you kind of got to give them an opportunity to prove it, and I think they are, but so far, I just I haven't seen enough to warrant an extension. Yeah, I've seen uh, flashes, which are great, but flashes um, are just meant for uh, New Orleans, Mardi Gras. That's yes. when you want the flashes. But, <laughs> the Wiz you know could mean? use them, I bet, too. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, they could, they'll, they'll take whatever. They'll probably pay them $120 million to come there because um, they're so dumb. But um, just take a look at it. Like, I mean, OG has upside, but he just needs to be consistent. If he can stay consistent uh, for the next year and a half, they'll, they'll, they'll probably give him an extension. They'll, they'll sign him. But he has to prove that he's valuable. And right now, he hasn't proven that he's that valuable. He, like I said, flashes a, val- a, a value, but not enough to warrant an extension or even talks about that, right? And I think he knows that as well. So he, I think he needs to step up his game. But... For the Raptors, they've stepped up their game, and they're on a current, was it, six-game winning streak right now, fellas? Yep. Six-game winning streak, and these solidified, uh, well, these solidif- solidified themselves in the second uh, seed, tied with Miami, and they hold it, uh, they don't, they do not hold a tiebreaker. Um, what do you guys think about that? Are, is there anything that, we, anything, that, anything that we have to do uh, to solidify ourselves as a second seed, or do we just keep playing like we're playing? For me, it's you just got to take advantage of the schedule, right? And you, I, I don't want to jump too much ahead, but you look at the schedule that we have for the remainder of January. It's pretty sweet. A minus today against San Antonio. That's like the biggest challenge. But even with the back-to-back later on this week with Cleveland and uh, Detroit, I'm, I'm not worried about those types of games at all. We face Atlanta again, not worried about it. Um, February is kind of... You know, a, a cluster because, as we've talked about off air, that they face Indiana, I want to say, three times and Milwaukee once in between. But otherwise, it's it's pretty good. So if you can take advantage of the schedule moving forward, I think they have the second easiest schedule moving forward in the NBA. That's huge. That is huge, especially with the the amount and the severity of the injuries that they've suffered in the beginning of the year, having an extremely difficult schedule. And they sort of flourished and thrived. So. I, I never really considered Miami to be this good. I think they're going to come back to earth just a little bit. And I, I certainly think they're dangerous and barring any sort of uh, big acquisition at the trade deadline for Miami. Toronto should have no issue taking over the second seed. Just as long as they you know, knock on desk here, stay healthy, and are able to just continue to play the game, continue to play uh, with fluidity that Nick Nurse has utilized, especially with the zone defenses we've been talking about. Um, they should be just fine. And again, I don't think they need to make any massive trade moves. I don't think they will actually even explore it. If anything, they'll probably just go to the buyout market. But for me, it's just keep playing the way they're playing. And if they do that, they'll be just fine. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good start because I think going to the buyout market or maybe at most doing a trade for a depth move. I mean, we've been talking a lot about Macaw today, um, but you know, having someone come off the bench who can be a ball handler would be a nice addition. But also, in a, a kind of an odd way, the injuries seem to be coming all at the right time. Whereas Nick Nurse has been very vocal about you know, Marcus All getting a month off after having played what yeah. seems like 18 months straight, and you start getting Siakam. Now having some time off, especially for you know someone who's that athletic, someone who's that quick, and having a relatively easy schedule at the start to kind of get it, get his flow back in. So I think it's all about you know, especially around that All Star time, where they'll actually get to practice consistently for the first time in quite a while. Um, you know, just keeping keeping the course. And like I said, the only thing that I think that would be nice is adding something to the buyout market to the depth and like in the in the realm of like a ball handler. Yeah, like uh, I agree with you guys. Like, I mean, we should solidify that second seed. There's no doubt about it, man. I'm not a big believer on the Heat. Um, I don't think they have enough parts to to, to maintain the second seed. Mind you, uh, out of all, obviously Milwaukee is the best team in the league or in the East right now. Of course, uh, I think kind of by uh, it's not a huge landslide. Like their record um, is is great, but I still don't think they're that they're they're like a huge number one seed. I don't think th- there's a huge landslide there, but I think out of all the rest of the East teams, we are the second best team for sure. There's no, there's no, there's no doubt about it, man. Um, we've been there last year. We proved it. We won a championship and I'll keep bringing it up until this uh, NBA finals happens this year. But um, like looking at it, like, like I said, I've never been a big believer of the heat and they have a, I'd say they have a pretty tough schedule coming up. Uh, they have games versus the Celtics, the 76ers, the Clippers. Uh, even a, a team like the Trailblazers can give them a run. Even the Jazz as well. So I think by the end of, I don't know, say two weeks, two weeks from now, before the All-Star break, you will see Nick Nurse coaching the the All-Star team. Uh, you will not see Eric Spolstra in there. You'll see Nick Nurse because the second team uh, seed is the is a team that will be coaching the uh the uh, all-star game because Mike Budenhauser did it last year. Um, So I just, I I don't think we have to make any major moves. There's, there's no need for that. I mean, when you're a legit contender, you, you never see them make big moves. I mean, last year, the biggest move of course was getting Marcus Sol, and that was massive. Um, But I don't think there'll be a trade like that this year. There's no need for it. Uh, The buyout market's perfect. uh, If anything, and last year our buyout market was Jeremy Lin. What did he do? (laughs) <laughs> he didn't you know like van fleet went out with some games and he actually did a decent job of of managing games i guess you could say he's like a russell wilson of uh obviously why am i comparing the russells well i'm high a poor man uh, russell wilson a poor oh, like, yeah russell real wilson. poor man's russell wilson that's but, a leap, uh, man. <laughs> yeah jesus what am i doing someone get me off the air um uh, but i just don't i don't think there's 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 not there's a lot of moves that could be made and that shouldn't be made messiah smart uh, unless he's decided that he's going the next and he just wants to trade everybody, <laughs> then yeah. uh, then that would be the move. But uh, no, I just I just think that we we're gonna solidify ourselves solidify ourselves into the second seed without a doubt. Uh, that's that's my take. I'm not sure if you guys have anything else that you just thought of while I was talking, but um, go ahead if you do. I think a team that people are sleeping on, and again, this is not to this is just me like looking around the East right now. Um, keep an eye on the Pacers. Oh, I, really I was just thinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, keep an eye on them because I think they're going to be very good. 
Especially yeah, when Debo comes back, as, as if he comes back full health, like he's fine, no rust. Obviously, you anticipate some sort of rust in the beginning of it, but you know, towards the the later months of like March and April, keep an eye on them because I do think like yes, the Heat are they're probably gonna fall down to earth, like we said, and the Celtics are always gonna be a thorn in the side, but Pacers could make a push for that two seed. A hundred percent, man. And what were the fucking Bucks thinking, man? Why would yeah. you let a guy like Malcolm Brogdon go, man? Like, and you pay Chris Middleton? What the? What are you thinking? Like, Brogdon plays defense, and he's a bucket getter. Like, it, last year, he, obviously, the Bucks lost to us. But, I mean, he was one of the, the, the key stars in that series, I would say. He made some big shots. And he I think he went away us. from him. Yeah, the, but he went they went away from uh from him in that series. I thought they just let Middleton try to take over, which clearly yeah. didn't happen. Um, so I think uh the the Bucks owner was high when he signed Middleton. Everyone's just high these days, but uh, <laughs> I'm just like I, the Pacers. That's a that's a great point. As soon as you brought up a team that you're going to talk about, I knew it was the Pacers, and they actually will be. I think they'll be dangerous once Oladipo comes back because. I think he's he's not a huge, um, like he doesn't demand the ball at all times, and I think a guy like him and uh, Brogdon will will pair up well, and they'll be a backcourt to be reckoned with. Mitch, yeah, no, I was thinking, and I was kind of like leaning to that as well, but I was also kind of getting wanted to sorry wanted to get your opinion on a team like the 76ers who are currently in the sixth spot, you know, have two bona fide all stars in Simmons and Embiid, but. They're tricky because they don't necessarily play well together. So I was thinking, you know, what what is your take on the six Sixers? Because again, like sometimes they're blowing you and shooting the lights out, then other times it's just, I mean, I know Embiid's injured right now, but you know they don't have it. Broads. <laughs> I I can't stand the 76ers, man. I, they're always overhyped. I, I'm I, I I will never drink that Kool Aid. Like you know who would be really good for the 76ers right now? Jimmy Butler. And JJ yeah, Reddick. They yeah, be right. really good for this team. <laughs> they just don't exactly. have it. So, no, no I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of them at all. Because I was thinking no. that in the offseason, too, when... Sorry, Rod. I was just going to think about in the offseason. When you get rid of Jimmy Butler and JJ Reddick, and, I mean, you keep Tobias Harris. Yes, yeah. Uh, I there's no that. shooting. There's, there's, like, really, like when you think about it, yes, they sort of killed us from the outside. But, like, who are you relying on to shoot those clutch baskets in the playoffs? You you got rid of one of the most clutch three point shooters in JJ Redick. Well, you didn't get rid of him, but he, he let him walk. And how do you do that if you expect to win? There's no real legitimate shooting threats on that team that I'm that I'm shaking in my boots about. Everyone can talk about Tobias Harris all he wants. He's like super one dimensional when it comes to his to his three point mm-hmm. shooting. It's not at the top of the key. He's not hitting them. So like I'm not really too worried about the 76ers making a- any noise. I I don't necessarily think they're going to be like a first round knockout. Don't get me wrong. But I don't see them making big moves at the deadline. I don't see them making a huge playoff push to the finals. I just don't I'm, – I'm not buying it. And what, we've seen how they are. You're right. Like, they, when they play together, Simmons and Embiid, they're like – it just doesn't mesh well, right? And I, I think that is going to do them in later on in, in the regular season. There's pro- they'll probably still hover around this six seed, especially if, you know, what we're talking about with the Pacers – accelerating the uh yeah the raptors hanging on that two three seed miami around the three four and the celtics right there too i I just don't see the 76ers moving up yeah um i couldn't agree more 
I mean, they had a big game last night versus the Lakers, but Lakers didn't play well. Um, so I think that was that's a game where you know all this obviously the 76ers fans are like rejoicing, saying, "Oh, let's sign Ben to another max or something like that." No, man, he's he's just I don't think for the amount of talent that he could have, he's not utilizing it correctly. Like a guy like Zion Williamson, who just came into the league. He hit four three-pointers in his debut. Ben Simmons is what, only hit one in his career? You have to shoot the ball, man. Like, you must have some sort of ability to shoot the ball. There must be some mental edge that he's just not shooting the ball because versus the Raptors, he had plenty of opportunities to shoot the three, at least take a three. Um, so that team honestly goes as far as Ben Simmons will go, and he doesn't take him very far, especially right now. He needs to really solidify himself as a shooter for the for the 76ers to have even a chance in the playoffs and that's not going to happen this year let's get realistic man you're not just going to develop a jump shot and develop the courage to do it in the second half of the season and even a guy like brett brown was saying i challenge ben simmons to shoot one three a game that didn't last long did it uh like you know what i mean so for for me the 76ers posed no threat to the eastern conference they're in the sixth seed i get it um, they can't drop down to seven because seven's hold is held by uh, the magic. The magic at twenty-one and twenty-five. If they drop down to that, I mean, trade everybody, just Don't rebuild work. again. Yeah. Um, but it, that shouldn't happen. But I'm just saying, like, the Seventy Sixers pose no threat and <laughs> to the title. One more time. The One more time. They pose no threat. God damn it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's my take. I mean. I think you guys agree with me on this point. Uh, Adam clearly loves the 76ers. Just kidding. But uh, Mitch uh, secretly is sending me hate mail because he loves Ben Simmons. Yeah, um, I was going to say, so, we, so we're categorically calling the 76ers as a podcast pretenders. Yes. yes okay, pretenders. So, this, so, so if it comes back to bite us, then I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up. But at least we have it on paper now. Or it's, Mitch, um, it will not. No, I don't think it'll happen either. I think, I think when you look at Ben Simmons' like favorite spot on the court is... You know, eight feet it's out. The bench. Like, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, is eight feet out from underneath the rim, and that's yes. exactly where Embiid's gonna be when he's back. So I just, I think they they frustrate me. I think one of them has to go. I think it's either. I mean, I would personally build around Embiid, but I think one of them has to go. Well, that's the thing. You just signed Ben to all this money. Who's gonna want to take that contract? I mean, there's actually tons. The Knicks. Wizards. Wizards. Take that contract. Yeah. Oh, just replace John Wall with Ben Simmons. Let's just do that. Yeah. You know Woo! they would. You know they would. Yeah, well, yeah they probably would. <laughs> oh, God, don't get me started. Um, yeah, so we've obviously agreed that 76ers are pretenders. Uh, the Pacers are not. Uh, I just want to get your, your quick uh, analysis. Uh, we'll start with Adam here. Just quick, do you think the Celtics, uh, quickly, are, are they pretenders or are they contenders, do you think? I think they're legit. Like, as much as that pains me to say, because I also hate the Celtics, you know, I, I do think that, you know, with the acceleration of Tatum and Jalen Brown, um, and I think Kemba Walker has been just like a godsend to that team. Like, everything that the Celtics anticipated Kyrie to be, Kemba has been, and better. And, you know, Cantor has been, he's had his games where he's been pretty good. I don't think he's reliable, especially in, in the postseason. I'm not necessarily there yet, but... They've been good, and I, I don't trust Danny Ainge to really make any sort of substantial noise at the trade deadline. Um, so 
I don't, I don't see them making a push for a playoff run, like in terms of like making a finals run. Because let's face it, like as as it stands, I'm not sure anybody's getting past Milwaukee quite yet. But when it comes to whether or not I think they're a legit like three four seed, yeah, I can see that for sure. Okay, Mitch, Mitch, what do you think? Yeah, no, I th- I think that's right, and I think that's why you know, holding the two or even a three for Toronto is like very important because at least then you have a realistic shot at getting to the Western Conference Finals. I think if you do drop to four, and it's very tight, it's like. You know, one game behind, two games behind, from all the way from three to about six. Yeah. Um, and then once you get up against Milwaukee, and I know what they did last year, but we don't have Kawhi, and everyone's talking about, oh, they'll build that wall up again. But it also helps when Kawhi's in the middle of that wall. But yeah, no, I, I like I like the Celtics. I think they could do some damage. I think their depth is, you know, is still very exceptional, even with all kind of the movement that they had in the off season. Um, I do like Kemba a lot more than Kyrie. I think he. Hundred percent. Kyrie I mean, fucking sucks. Yeah, I mean, the, the record speaks for itself. I mean, Kemba on that team is both, like, uh, you know, a three-point threat and, you know, a facilitator, whereas Kyrie wasn't. And they just move so... I think I think the thing that scares me about the Celtics is they move so quick, or they have the ability to move so quick. Yeah, and I, I think a guy like Marcus Smart is uh, super important in the playoffs. If he can make some big shots, because you know what he brings um, defensively? He's, like, he's kind of like an OG, but... Um, in that sense, like a, a hound on defense, right? So I think he's important to them. Um, and I just want to get, get your take because, you know, Dennis Scott, uh, he had the yeah, – he's phenomenal at picking standings at the start of the year. He had, he had the, Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Bulls in the playoffs before the Toronto Raptors at the start of the year. What was he on? Can someone tell me? Can someone tell me what he was on when he picked that? Zach Levine Kool-Aid. <laughs> basalt something man oh my god what were you thinking bro the bulls in front of the toronto raptors <sighs> anyways we're gonna move off topic before i have like an aneurysm um so we're gonna move on to the slate of games for this week uh we have the raptors versus the spurs uh the raptors again play the hawks on tuesday night at 7 30 the raptors again play on thursday versus the Cavs in cleveland where there's tons to do. Uh, and then they have the uh, the Raptors versus the Pistons on Friday. And then we'll, we'll touch on the uh, the Bulls and the Raptors on the Sunday game because we record on Sunday, so we won't be able to get analysis on that game. But So there's five games, fellas. Um, we'll go with Mitch. Uh, sorry, we'll go with Adam first. What do you think is going to happen in those five games? What's the record? Um, any analysis? What do you think? Uh, I think they're going to win the rest of January. And I think that... Um, you know, obviously today's game against San Antonio, that's going to be the, the, the most difficult of the bunch. But I do think that given the, the ease of the remainder of the week and, you know, even with that back-to-back on Thursday and Friday, I want to say it is the, the Cleveland-Detroit. Detroit is, you know, Toronto 2.0. They're gonna, it, 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 they'll be fine. I, I have no doubt and all the confidence in the world that the Raptors are going to be just fine. I'm calling straight dubs on this. Great dubs. I like it. I like I like it. Uh, Mitch, what do you think? I'll be a little bit more uh, uh, confident this week. I'll, I'll go straight dubs as well. But the one thing I will say is that Spurs game will be tricky. And the reason the Spurs, I think, are tricky is because you know, they lost the Hawks. not too, uh, Sorry, recently they also lost, I think, to the Suns recently. But then they've kind of reeled off wins against the Heat and other big contenders in the West. So I think I think, I think think they'll go 5-5, five, five for five, but... I, I'm with you. I think that Spurs game, especially a midday game, it's three o'clock start time there. So again, another midday game is going to be it's 
It's going to be a tight one. And you guys, man. All right. I like it. So I wanted to go 5-0 and oh too. But you know what? Uh, and as I said at the beginning of the show, whoever's wrong uh, with their picks has to do some, and we'll put it on our Instagram page. Um, and the other person gets to pick what they got to do. So we all can't pick 5-0, and oh, which I wanted to. Mitch, I thought you would have been somewhat realistic. But um, well, I, I was going to wa- say 4-1, but he talked me into them beating the Spurs, so... <laughs> Damn it. All right. Well, I'm going to go four and one. I'm not going to say who they're going to lose to. I wish, I hope they go five and oh, I'll, I'll take the L if, if, uh, if they don't go, uh, five and oh, but so I, I say they go four and one, uh, during this week. Um, just strictly based on the fact that I want to see Mitch do something pretty embarrassing. Um, that'd be pretty amazing. I think a lot of, I think our viewers and, uh, our listeners are going to want to see that as well. Cause, uh, half of them don't even know that he, <laughs> he was still alive, to be honest, because <laughs> he's so discreet on social media. Doesn't say much, but um, we're we're glad he's on the show. I love him on the show. He's probably one of the funniest dudes I've ever encountered. Obviously, having Adam on the on the show was tremendous. Uh, your insights, your jokes, uh, your love for Macaw has has been uh, you know <laughs> has been heard heard around the world worldwide. Uh, and it's been a pleasure, man. Uh, you got any closing words? You got, you got your uh, Twitter. Uh, you can put everything up, all you want out there. Just, you got anything for the for the viewers? Yeah, yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. I'm glad we were able to do this. Um, you can find me at on Twitter at South of the Six. That is six spelled uh, the number six. The letters I X. Like all the cool kids spell it because you know, we're all cool kids. Um, and uh yeah we basically i host a podcast every week uh talking all things toronto raptors so feel free to subscribe to that wherever you get your podcast pleasures from whether that be uh stitcher sound uh, no we're not on soundcloud so stitcher apple podcast google podcast um wherever you get your fix from we should be there and we appreciate that and all the listeners and um everything that you know the contributions on twitter we love it and more importantly if you haven't subscribed to this podcast that you're listening to right now please do and i've been saving this for you know this show uh follow this podcast follow the missing drinks pod i'm following it right now i saved it for this show so uh, i highly yes. recommend you guys do the same and uh 32 you guys followers <laughs> <laughs> we're building we're building man honestly man it's a pleasure uh mitch you got any closing words as well yeah, I'd just like to thank thank Adam for coming on the show. And if you haven't checked it out already, check out South of the Six. You know, a lot of the inspiration for this podcast came from South of the Six, so we owe a lot to it, and we're very grateful to have you on the show. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Like without without you, uh, I don't know if we'd be starting a podcast like this, man. Because you, yeah, exactly. I appreciate you. Definitely paved the way for us. Um, we have some stuff to learn, but you know, you know the way you, the way you speak and the way uh, you sound really confident with what you're saying is is what we want to get to. Uh, so, again, thanks for coming on the show. It's been monumental. Uh, I might have to start crying here. Just kidding. I'm not going to cry. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome, man. <laughs> you obviously, we can uh, – we need to get to 100 followers before Mitch gets on Twitter. Um, so if we can get 100 followers, that would be nice. Uh, you can follow uh, the podcast at Mitch and Driggs Podcast. Uh, basketball podcast, and then you can follow me personally if you'd like at Rod Um So again, thank you for coming on the show, Adam. It's been a pleasure, and we're gonna sign off. Thanks again, fellas. Thank you. <laughs>